Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Hello there, and welcome to Mission Unstoppable Radio. I know you're unstoppable and you're a winner. Come on. Today we're going on another unstoppable mission with a woman who is a 2016 Nobel Peace Prize nominee for her work on global forgiveness. She's a six-time Emmy Award winner who is regularly featured on CNN, ABC, Inc. Magazine, and Wall Street Journal, and more. She has a PhD in gossip, and her social media reach tops $120 million per month. Yes, she is none other than Dr. Sean DePerrin. Welcome, Sean, to the show. Hey, thanks, Frankie. I'm just tickled to be here. Oh, I am so glad that you're here. Well, this is Mission Unstoppable. And on this show, I like to show um, other folks how they can be unstoppable and how they don't always come from the circumstances that they think people come from to get to where people got to. So yeah. in that vein, um, can we just go back a little bit to to young Sean? Where did Sean grow up? What was her family like? <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I was born and raised in the city of Detroit. I'm a Detroit gal. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah I, I city. Still, yeah, I still love Detroit. Still do. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not one of those that has the happy past. I wish that I did. And I also think that I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't had the past that I had. So, you know, unfortunately, I come from a pretty grueling background. A lot of folks I sh that know me and or hang out with me know that I come from being molested as a child. Talk yes. about it very openly. Yeah, I appreciate that, Frankie. And then, yeah. I, and being in this place now as a 53-year-old grandma, that things didn't happen to me; they happened for me. Because right. when you move through your crap, 
that's when the real miracles start to happen. The real miracles and it, the, the conversation of unstoppable just feeds my fire and feeds my soul. Awesome. Okay. Well, unfortunately, you know, that happened, but I, I totally understand and agree with you that when you work through those, those obstacles and you come to just own your own stuff, then, then you have just regained all your power. Like you are super powerful. (laughs) So I like that. Yeah. You're Wonder Woman now. Uh, Did you have siblings? Yeah. I, you know, (laughs) and you know what, this is a great day to be doing this class for me personally. Um, I have one sister, her name is Cindy, and in the past year, and now I'm not saying, now I'm not, I'm going to share this. Can I just be really honest? And yeah, this, this show you get yeah. real real. Yeah. yeah. So every, you know, I have a mother, a father, and a sister, and then a brother-in-law. All four of my primary family members are dealing with four-stage cancer. Oh, oh my goodness. And, you know, when you think about it, you know, some days are better than others, Frankie. You got that? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Today's a better day. And I've been in this myself for like the last year. And it doesn't mean I have it like in that conversation of unstoppable. Some days really hard to get out of bed. Yes. Some days just so preciously thankful for the sanctity and the sacredness of life. I mean, it's, it runs the gamut, all those emotions. And um, so my sister, I love her dearly. And I am just moving along, plugging along playing in the game of gratitude, embracing when I need to just lay on the floor and cry because that happens too, trust me. And, um, and of course, you know, and I know you get this too, and even those listening, that the things you teach or the things you're passionate about are usually the things you need the mm-hmm. most, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously, me working through all this stuff, a lot of forgiveness with deities and God and why are you doing this to me? Yes. And, crap you know absolutely and the thing is you know a lot of times people think that oh you're unstoppable that you have to be unstoppable in everything but you can't be unstoppable in everything in your life you choose what you're going to be unstoppable in and when you have like yourself four family members who are in stage four cancer it would not i would be surprised if you didn't rail at god or the powers that be and go why what is going on why are you doing this to my life to my family of course you would it'd be normal not to Absolutely. And it's been an, a journey indeed. Holy tamales. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a lot to deal with for one person. Absolutely. I'm so sorry that you're going through that. And we all send our prayers to them for, you know, the best that can happen for all of them, for sure. Yeah. I really yeah. deeply appreciate that. And um, I'm getting more open hearted about talking about it because the more I'm talking about it, the more I hear others sharing like their stuff. I mean, well, we all got stuff, whether you yeah. cancer yourself or you lost your job or you're getting divorced or your grandkids. You're not even allowed to see your grandkids. I mean, we're not even allowed to see your kids for that matter. People, we all got stuff. You know? Everybody's got stuff. And, you know, I mean, this is you're just like the perfect personification of someone who had stuff and got to where you are. Six time Emmy award winner. You know, Nobel Peace Prize nominee, you know, and you're reaching 120 million people a month. That's phenomenal. I mean, like you're the queen of communication, obviously, but, you know, you have a reason for for being, uh, you know, you have this reason that a fire under you that's going, I need to reach these people because I have a message and you have a message of forgiveness. 
I really do. You know, it's funny. We um, when this first started, we did a Kickstarter campaign. You ever heard of those Kickstarter? Yes, things? yeah. And um, and we and here, you know, I'm a pretty darn good television producer. Okay, I've been doing it a long time. I've won a lot of awards, and I could not get a video to go viral, especially with all the research background I have around gossip and gossip mm-hmm. theory and how to make things go viral. And I remember sitting on my deck. I was in a lot of pain. Um, a lot of things were going on. And I'm like talking to God and saying, dude, you know, what is going on here? Why isn't this working? I'm on my third attempt to make this go viral. I have this knowledge. What am I missing? And quite frankly, I'd like to quit. That's how I was feeling and talking to God. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, in the only way, you know, how, like sometimes we test deities, whether it's Allah, Buddha, whatever. Sure, test, yeah. You know, like, yeah. And I said, okay, God, if you really want me to go forward, you must send me a Patronus. <laughs> now, that's a very high condition. Patronuses, for Harry Potter fans, are those deer. Uh-huh. Up. And I kid you not, Jack, or uh, Frankie, I kid you not, Frankie. Not one second after I thought it, a deer walked up to me on my deck, and I have been... <laughs> a higher level of unstoppable and I've always been unstoppable like I don't know Frankie it's like not always because you know so, you know stuff happens stuff too that changed everything changed everything for me that was like four years ago and I'm like holy tamole yeah somebody's listening yeah yeah that's yeah. really yeah. freaky I love it though what a great story isn't that a great story? And now, and we live in um, an area where we have woods behind us, and we see deer maybe once a month or maybe twice a month. And whenever a deer shows up, I really pay attention. Oh, so that's um, like your spirit animal, maybe. It is my spirit animal, yes. Yes. Love that. So what was the secret to, to being viral or going viral? Is there a secret to going viral? There is. Um, the biggest one is pers- persistence and perseverance uh, and yeah. being unstoppable. I mean, being unstoppable. Being unstoppable. And that's why I love the name. We're having show. a really that's, cute kid. <laughs> yeah. You can, <laughs> you can really, I really believe you can have whatever you want if that's what you really want. And you have to want yes. to go through any obstacle. You know, when I, I look at, um, you know, it took me 10 years to get my Ph.D., and I had to keep rechoosing it. Like, why are you doing this, Sean? Are you an idiot? Why are you, you know, why are you doing this? And I had to keep rechoosing it and becoming unstoppable in it. Yeah. And it manifests itself when you do that. It just does. You know, nobody said it was easy to become a doctor. Uh, yeah. So congratulations on that PhD. That's phenomenal, really. And, you know, I'm working with somebody else. Who's, it's taken her 12 years at least right now, and I'm helping her through it. And But you know what? She still wants it. She's dealing with health issues. But so what? Where are you going to be in 12 years if you didn't try to do it or 10 years? You oh, wouldn't have it. So You are so good. I so agree with you. And making something go viral, there's a lot of pieces to it besides perseverance and unstoppable. Um, the other pieces are, like, like authentic. That's what really works mm-hmm. is, like, straight talk. Like, you know, I worked in news for a long time, and I'm watching, as a consultant, because I'm, I'm a communication consultant, media consultant, I'm watching TV news really try, and I say the words try in quotes, <laughs> to, like, go live on Facebook and do all these live things. And the problem is, is they're still being on that hierarchy of being above people delivering the news. Yes. And that's not how social works. We're, we're on the same plane here. 
And when you get that, especially in your business, when you're really on the same plane and you got to take some risks because you don't like, you know, it took me a while to start talking about being molested or, you know, having yeah. a family system. Now here it is 10 years later and I'm so comfortable talking about it and I don't overshare. You know, like when you're first being authentic, you might overshare at the beginning. Yes. And then you got to figure it out, you know? I love that. And you know what? Like you, you did by, by sharing what you did, you brought yourself down to the level of, of the common every person who who things happen to and you're no longer that elevated, you know, Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize nominee, you're Sean DePerrin, who just ordinary mom, grandma, wife who, you know, is dealing with shit every day, right? Yes. You're authentic. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're going to go to commercial break. You're listening to Mission Unstoppable Radio. My guest is Dr. Sean DePerrin. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Did you know celebrating New Year's Eve started in Babylon 4,000 years ago? The most common New Year's resolution in those days was to return borrowed farm equipment. Most Americans do make at least one resolution, usually related to health and fitness. But making a New Year's resolution stick is difficult if you're a mumpsimus. That's a person who obstinately clings to a bad habit. For many of us, New Year's resolutions seem to go in one year and out the other. Most New Year's resolutions fail by January 20th due to kinetophobia. That's the dislike of change. Call me a crusty gripes, but my New Year's resolution is to stop hanging out with people who ask me about my New Year's resolutions. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and for more Words You Never Heard, check out my podcast at wordsyouneverheard.com. It's Mission Unstoppable Radio, and my guest today is Dr. Sean Japarin. Yay! Yay. <laughs> before we went, yeah, before we went to our break, uh, she said the word, the word that I love, risk. And so let's talk about risk for a moment, because there's a lot of risk, you know, around you and surrounding you. The one was the risk that you talked about, um, you know, taking that risk to speak your truth, to talk about. Uh, you know, your childhood and, and molestation. Um, but the other risk is those kids at risk that you work with in, in the juvenile judicial system, fostering their self-esteem and in and, and project, you know, um, forgiveness, around forgiveness. So I'm going to let you just play with risk for a little bit. So let me take some risks. And yeah, take risk. a risk. Okay. Yeah. So um, 
when you're growing, when you're learning, you have to take risks. You have to step out of that comfort zone and go out of that fun love where creativity is happening and step way outside and go into whether it's procrastination, arrogance to me, arrogance of spirits in that fear realm. Anger is a type of fear. And the game is to step way outside like it took me 10 tries before I won an Emmy. And I was I was just devastated that I couldn't win an Emmy. Oh, wow. And, and the key, and I would just kept trying and trying and trying and trying. And, and I'm like, dang, how do you, you know, I'm taking these risks. The key between smothering it with love and being in that fear place in those risks really is forgiveness. Because as you take risks and step way outside of what you're used to, mm-hmm. it, it you're going to screw it up. It's not going to go perfectly. That's what entrepreneurs do every single day. And those in business that really want to expand, especially in technology and what's going on digitally now. Yeah. And you have to take those risks. And the critical component, though, is forgiveness. And it's more about, like, forgiving yourself for not getting it perfect and not and grieving your losses. The biggest barrier to huge success, in my estimation, and learning a lot about forgiveness is grief. And when I was mm. able to grieve, not winning an Emmy, because people in my position as a television producer, as a television reporter, that's like the highlight of your career. Is to yeah. When I grieved my losses, that's when solutions started to come. And solution, one of the solutions, yeah, one of the solutions that came, became available is like, oh my gosh, and I'm hitting myself on the head, like I sh- could have had a V8. What if I get on? What if I get on an Emmy committee and find out what it is? Hello, yeah. And in my pain and desperation, right? Because we all have been desperate to get something, and you keep trying and trying and trying, it's not working. I actually got the solution in the grief because I'm a a huge honorer of grief, and I went on to win many Emmys from there because I was able to solve brilliant different ways to do it right so and it is brilliant isn't it and even yeah. um, with project forgive you know i look at risk with kids at risk and um you know a lot of the research i thought the research would be around building self-esteem because that's what you think with kids mm-hmm. at risk yeah it's not the case at all it's about accountability and responsibility mm. for actually feeling the grief of the pain that you've caused with the risky behavior that you've engaged in that's what makes collectively the biggest difference for kids at risk. And that's the curriculum we're building right now. Because in some ways, if you just, if you just, and I say it, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. just so easy, just build your self-esteem, you actually build and create um, higher levels, uh, more self-esteem to manipulate, to steal, to, to borrow, to harm. And you don't want to have confident robbers or confident folks. Right. And it, that accountability and that responsibility is critical in that risk place. And that's true when you're in business and you take a risk, when you feel the consequences of some choices like hiring a really, really crappy employee. You ever done that? Mm-hmm. Right? Or getting a client that, you know, you think, oh, my gosh, I got this huge contract. But then it ends up costing you like $500 a minute because they're so high maintenance yes and when you really start grieving those losses and what had you in desperation or in fear choose that you you were able to solve it and start 
creating new solutions because you keep doing the same darn thing until you get the lesson, right? Absolutely. And you know what? I mean, it's like I said a little bit earlier about when you take responsibility for your actions, that's where your power comes in because somebody can't go, I'm going to tell on you, Sean. I'm going to tell that you did that. No, I already told. There's nothing you can do to me. I already, I already admitted it. Sorry, right? And, yeah. and that's like, that's like your power, taking your power back from other people. And if you're sincere in it, it's not just, you know, I did it a lot of da, but if you're sincere in that accountability and re- taking that responsibility for those actions, then you really are powerful in that. And, and it, I, it's so, it's such a relief really to do that. But I wanted to talk to you just a moment about forgive the word forgive, because for a lot of people it has a negative connotation, you know, oh, I have to forgive them. Oh, I, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and, you know, like in, in the video that you had for, for your Kickstarter, um, your, your friend Gary, you know, he said, I, I, I'm a bold contribution to the world, which is phenomenal. And we'll tell that story in a moment why he said that. But forgive almost means like you're giving up something instead of gaining something. Yeah. There's so many myths about forgiveness. That's why we started Project Forgive. Yeah. Yeah. And forgiveness is such a beautiful thing. And the truth is you don't even have to forgive. Like what a concept. Forgive and forget is a myth. Mm-hmm. Throw that in the garbage, especially if, like, your daughter was murdered. You're going to forgive and forget. I don't think so. No. Right. That, it doesn't work that way. And sometimes you think, well, because you forgive, it means you have to be in relationship. Not even close. Forgiveness and trust are two very different entities. It's forgive and create boundaries mm-hmm. um, so you don't have the same behavior repetitively coming at you. Forgiveness is like a fingerprint, Frankie. It's different for everyone. I have noticed, though, in research and in creating the documentary that we're doing, that there are some phases of forgiveness that we meander through, not as a linear process, but we jump and we jump back and forth through them. And they typically are shock, anger, grief, acceptance, and peace. And you notice shock, anger, grief, acceptance, Mm -hmm. and peace. Nowhere there is the word forgiveness. Right. And I get interviewed by the media a lot, especially yeah. around molested. And they always say, have you forgiven, you know, your stepdad with my stepdad and molested me? Yeah. And I always say, you know what? I don't, I don't quite think of it like that. Um, I don't know if I do, quite honestly. Yeah. I know yeah. I accept it. I know I have peace around it. I know I've deeply evolved probably into one of the most compassionate people you will ever meet because of this experience. And what I went through to evolve through that. Story. Is he still in your life, Sean? No, he died. He died. Oh, he died. When I was yep. And um, that in itself was a journey as well. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. It, it can be acceptance. It can be peace. And, journey, and forgiveness is a journey. It's not an end result. It's right. Not like, oh, I'm going to get married. Now you've got how many years of marriage you're going to have and how much joy are you going to have in that journey? Forgiveness is a journey, it's a skill, it's a practice, and contrary to popular belief, one of our most important tools that we do is called accepting the apology you'll never receive, and that's the mm-hmm. security, and we do it all over the world. I, I really, I like how it's linked to grief, because like you said, it's not linear, like you can go years after somebody has passed, like your parent or somebody, and and all of a sudden one day it's like you just start crying and it's like, oh, the grief just hit you again. 
It's like you think you're over it and boom, it hits you again. And I guess it's 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 like that. You you don't really know if you forgive somebody. I was in a motorcycle accident and, you know, this guy broke both my legs, hip pelvis, everything. Never spoke to him, you know, after that. Um, and, and yet people like he devastated my life. I'm still in chronic pain 20, you know, so many years later, 15, 16 years later. And yet, you know. People say, did you forgive him or do you, like, are you mad at him? And I never thought about it in those terms. I never actually even really, I don't, I don't think I played the blame game there, but I just, and I think this is where you're going with forgiveness because oh, I kind of identify with this. What am I going to do with the rest of my life now? Because I can't go back. I have to look forward. So how am I going to, how am I going to move forward and, and not be a victim? Because I don't want to be a victim. It doesn't serve me. And I think that's kind of where you go with, with yes. a lot in, in your forgiveness is, is okay. It happened. Now what? Yeah. And you know, when people, and I hear a lot from people that are stuck, like they feel stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this little meditation, everything we do at Project Forgive is free. We have a lot of really cool sponsors. I love that. Yeah. Like Ticket Monster is a big partner of ours and, um, and progressive companies and philanthropists. And one of the tools we have, it's like a two and a half minute audio about forgiving yourself for not being forgiving. It's like loose. Oh, that's a big one. Isn't that cool? Like forgiving yeah. yourself for not being forgiven. Like, oh, there's that jerk. All right, I'm going to forgive myself for being not being able to forgive him because he's a jerk. That's yeah. actually progress. That is progress. That's progress. Wow. And what about holding a grudge? Yeah. That That's progress to too. <laughs> you know what? Grudges, though, it's those become like barnacles. Yeah. And if you're not actively pursuing to release those barnacles or release that those grudges, that's you eating the poison, man. And, um, and we have a lot of tools, especially accepting the apology you'll never receive, which I love to share with you, is a yes. huge tool to get through that stuff. Yeah, let's, let's hear about that. We've got two minutes. I don't know if that's enough, if we want to save it yeah. for after when we come back or not. Let's save it before when we get back. Okay, well then let's, let's, let's talk about, I know that you were a health and wellness reporter for a lot of years. And, and so what did you see when people kept all this stuff inside? Oh, my gosh. It was actually, you know, looking back at it now, everything that I've done has been a perfect storm that's led me to where I am. Because if someone would have told me even 10 years ago that I'd start a nonprofit on forgiveness, I'd be like, you're cuckoo. That's never going to happen. And looking back at the health and wellness, the stories I did when I worked, I worked at ABC and NBC on Reiki, on uh, medical intuition, mm-hmm. on all the things back 20 years ago when people wouldn't even talk about it. Um, the ability to let go of a grudge to lower your blood pressure. All of that actually was just like a cumulative information to be where I am now with leading this global influence on forgiveness. And you, we're going to go to commercial break in just under a minute, but I'm sure that you have stats about people who have forgiven and their their health changed. Oh, yeah. And there's so much research that links depression, anxiety, Mm-hmm. High blood pressure, heart attack, all of those pieces to those who have not been able to forgive. It is unbelievable how much it is linked in research. Isn't that something? I mean, because people just gnaw at it like a bone, right? They just chew on it and chew on it and they just can't give it up. And and yet if they could, they'd be happier people. Yeah, and it just stays in your body. Almost yeah. like almost like poison, it stays in your body. Wow. And all you have to do is, you know, make that decision to move forward. And let it go. Yeah. And that's through that, that grieving process, that being with the emotions that pop up. 
Well, we're going to come back in just a moment with Dr. Sean DuPerrin, and we are going to learn about that toolkit because that's pretty exciting stuff. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Mission Unstoppable Radio. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. Notice that no matter how carefully you put the Christmas lights away, they still come out all cringle crangled and jitterty jitterty the next year. Christmas tree lights were invented in 1882 by Thomas Edison, and by 1900, these miniature versions of his electric light bulb were being advertised to the public. In 1895, Grover Cleveland proudly sponsored the first electrically lit Christmas tree in the White House, featuring more than a hundred multicolored lights. By the next Christmas, members of high society were hosting flambustious Christmas tree parties. Of course, in those early days, the services of a wireman had to be obtained, as many people had considered electricity as a bit of a bugaboo. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Preparing your lunch at home and bringing it to school or work is usually a much healthier alternative than going out or ordering hot lunch. Weight Watchers offers some pointers to make preparing lunches a more pleasant experience and not a chore. Prep your foods on the weekends by cutting up veggies and putting them in Ziploc bags in the fridge. Multitask during meal preparation. When making dinner at night, prepare lunches for tomorrow at the same time and keep them in the refrigerator until morning. Have the kids help you put the lunches together. They can assist you and the job will be smoother. Make healthy lunches at home a priority and assure that you and your children are eating healthy, low-calorie meals. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Well, you know, on Mission Unstoppable, I never tell you a lie. <laughs> so Dr. Sean DeBaron, she's with us, and she's going to tell us about that toolkit. You got it. And, you know, there's a – I love this tool. It is actually brilliant, um, if I do say so myself. Nice. It really is. So here's the deal. So I have this neighbor, and he's one of those people. As soon as I see him, I can feel the fire come up my feet and up my body because I'm just annoyed when I see his freaking face. Really? Yeah. You ever have somebody that I'm sure? Yes. Do that. I have a brother like that. And you're annoyed. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so here's the thing though. First of all, being the forgiveness lady, that's not working because I really believe we are in charge of how we are being with others. And being an expert in gossip of all things, I really believe that I'm not who I say I am. I am who the neighbors talk about, of how do they talk about me or how do people talk about me? Right. How do my clients talk about me? Like, who am I being and how do they good gossip about me? So I really believe that. So that's where this tool came from. Like, so just to give you a, an example, I'd come outside, like, to get my mail, and i call him Bob. And Bob would be out there, and he'd go, good morning, Shan. I could already feel the annoyance. And I'd look at him, and I'd say, yeah, but it's, um, it's 6 p.m. And he'd mm-hmm. say something like, and this is not a joke, Frank. Okay? He'd say stuff like, 
I know, but you look like you just got off. Like, oh my God. So, all right. It was like, that's just one little, for instance. Okay. So my hackles would go up every time I'd see him. Now it doesn't mean like I'd think about him when he wasn't around. No. It wasn't like that. It was just one of those. Ugh. So what I started to do was I pretended in my mind's eye mm-hmm. that he was apologizing. Now he's not going to do it. It's not going to happen. Okay. He would, I would just say in my mind's eye, he'd say, oh, Sean, I'm so sorry. As soon as I see you, the wrong things come out of my mouth every single second. The truth is, I just want you to like me. Sometimes I'm so desperate, I have no social skills, and I get awkward, and the dumbest things come out of my mouth. And I just really want you to like me. Would you forgive me? Now, you can already tell as I start doing this, because I've had Mm -hmm. a lot of practice with him in particular, that I immediately softened. And the more I softened, the more compassion I would have for him, the more my being would shift with him. I have no control over him or what he does. And I can tell you, though, as I started to soften and started accepting the apology I'll never receive, he started shifting with me as well. Mm -hmm. And And this is in every arena. This is with my mother. This is with God, Allah, Buddha, with all this cancer stuff I've been mentioning. Members, when I'm really having a hard day and I feel really angry, I pretend God is saying, oh, my sweetheart, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry you've got all these family members with cancer. I know how hard it is. I have a purpose to my plan. You have no clue what it is, my angel. And just know I hold you beautifully in my hands. And I'm so sorry that your heart isn't. And you can even feel. Yeah. Feel the softness of that. And the comfort I receive from that. And um, this tool is powerful. And we do this activity, you know, in all the trainings that I do and all the engagements. It's one of our most popular tools. We do it a lot on Facebook, even live. And once you become masterful at it, really cool things start to happen. You know, I mean, and it sounds honest. Yeah. It sounds like that's the truth. And I'm sure it is the truth. He probably does want to be your friend. And he doesn't know how. And he's going, he's what there's that pretty lady next door and she doesn't give me the time of day. How can I get to talk to her? You know, yeah. I'm sure that's the truth. And yeah, yeah it's brilliant. Oh, it I is. can totally see this. You know, what's funny is this summer, um, I live in Detroit. My grandson lives in Florida and I went and got him. We did a road trip, you know, going yeah. to like Hollywood and stuff. And we stop at the Speedway because he loves the Frosties there. And I'm a big Slim Jim fan. I don't know, even know if you have. I don't think you have. Slim <laughs> yeah, Jim. we have Slim Jim. I know what they are. <laughs> okay. I love Slim Jim. My other friends in Canada, like from the EDC, like Teresa, they don't have them over there in uh, Calgary. And, and, uh, okay. Yeah. Or maybe and, I saw them in- yeah. Okay, so here I am with little Drake, and he's seven. He's pumping gas for the first time. He's so excited, okay? And I'm taking pictures of him. It's his first time pumping gas. We go in the store, there, four fees or whatever. We come out, and there is this woman standing there. And have you ever seen the movie Throw Mama from the Tree? Have you ever seen that movie? Throw Mama. Oh, I'm sorry. From the tree? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she is one evil lady. Yes. And Throw Mama from the Train comes up to me and starts screaming at me, okay? Drake and grabbed my hand so tight. It was just one of those odd moments. I, and I'm just, and I'm just like thinking, can I swear on your show? Yeah. Okay. I just thought to myself, holy shit, this for, accept the apology you'll never receive stuff worked. 
because I felt no attack. I was so calm. I actually felt bad for her because she was so upset because she was waiting in line behind me. She wanted my gas pump. She was a little old lady, okay? Yeah. And there was nobody else in line. I mean, I think there were three people that were like 12 pumps. But you know how older people are. They don't want to turn around or whatever. They yep. And she just thought it was so rude that I went in the store. And I just heard her. I listened to her. She says, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, me and Drake and I are on an adventure. We didn't even notice you. And she still yelled for a little bit. And then finally she calmed down. And the coolest thing was... It happened that my accepting the apology you never received became a masterful skill for me this summer. Like I'm really seeing the results and allowed me to be the most loving and model it, model that for my seven-year-old grandchild. And he's like, and I'm not saying this to brag. That's not why I'm saying it. I'm just, I'm saying it because it freaking works. It works. Was your grandson afraid when she was yelling at you? Was terrified. Yeah. Yeah, when we get in the car, he says, I can't believe you let someone like that talk to you like that. How dare she? And I just was being with him, too. Like, yeah, I know. I know, Angel. And you know what? Those were just words. And it was, it just felt really good to be peaceful and calm with her. My grandson has never seen that before. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. Yeah. And we'll be able to talk about that. Yeah. We'll be able to talk about that for years to come. Yeah. 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 That was really great because, you know, next time mommy or daddy like, screw yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Grandma taught me something. <laughs> exactly. And that's something the kids internalize, especially at that age. Yes. Absolutely. Well, that is, yeah, the accept- the apology I'll never get. I love that. The apology I'll never receive. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's wonderful. Powerful stuff. I like it. Let's, let's talk about... Um, this is, I think this is a very difficult concept in a way for people, but the idea of, of forgiveness as a leadership tool in business. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because it sounds foreign. Yeah. 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 And that's all that, that's where I'm primarily called in to corporations that I speak in. Because, you know, especially when I look at the intergenerational conversations that are going on in business, mm-hmm. we've never had five generations in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Ever. And, um, you know, you always keep hearing those millennials, those millennials, those yeah. millennials. One of my mantras is quit calling millennials entitled. Stop. It's offensive. Can you imagine if I said women are entitled or yes. Americans are entitled or black people are entitled or old people are entitled? However, I want to categorize that stereotype. And how do you get in a communication conversation that's so courageous and so honest that you can actually use it as a leadership tool and forgive yourself and others for not understanding what's going on in communication. It's really about making the unconscious, making the unconscious conscious. Here's the thing, especially with millennials. I know whether you're a business owner, whatever, you are dealing with millennials. Mm-hmm. And the distinction for me, Frankie, as a researcher and, um, and how I see it is it really boils down to shame to shame or no shame. Mm. Renee Brown, I'm sure you've heard of Brene Brown. She's oh, done, yes. She's done some phenomenal work on shame. And our, our old, different generations that are older than millennials, we were, research shows, we were spanked. Spanking is one of the most shameful things you can do to your child. Yeah. Yes. The research shows that. And at, when we became parents, we shifted our parenting. We stopped spanking for the most part. Many 
um, have stopped spanking. It's yes. no longer the norm. And our children have grown up with love and care, no shame. And now here they are in their, you know, 18 to 32, you know, there's debate about where that age range is. Yes. And they are asking for what they want. They have no shame, no painful shame. And they say, I want to be the CEO of a company. Mm -hmm. Us and our intergenerational older mindset think they think they get it for free or they get it without hard work. That's not how the millennials experience it at all. They are looking at it as a possibility with no barriers. And these, this middle management or sometimes us business owners are keeping our youngsters in shame. And that's why they leave. They don't leave because they're non-loyal. They leave because there's, they feel the barriers that are going on with our generation. And it's going to take some high levels of communication and forgiveness to actually shift that leadership skill. Because what's going to happen is, this is what I'm predicting. The millennials are going to band together and go over and above our heads and get things done because they don't have the barriers that we do with our generational shame. So, yeah. 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 yeah it's very interesting, you, you know, that you think about how somebody got it. Like, I don't know anybody who stays with a company for 40 years unless you're like seven years old. Like, not very many people do that anymore. And, and it's pretty um, crazy to even think that somebody would do that. However, you find more millennials, if you want to call them that, really being being those risk takers, those entrepreneurs, not necessarily wanting to work for other people, but working for themselves and being innovative with it. But if you want to have innovation in your company, you can't be playing the blame game. You can't, you know, have fear and innovation at the same time, like you said, because, uh, yeah, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to make a wrong call, but that's how you learn. Yeah. You know, that's how you know you're close, but nah, you're close, but not that close. Let's do it again. And and it, that's what it takes. Yeah. And it's going to take skill and leadership to dance between these intergenerational conversations mm-hmm. and have some courageous conversations. That, to me, is a leadership skill. It's a lot of forgiveness and understanding different perspectives. I like that. I, you know, I wish I had worked in a corporation like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, you know. Things are going that way. They're getting very yeah. successful. Yeah, yeah, they are. I like it. We're going to go to another commercial break shortly. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk about gossip. Because <laughs> this Sean has her PhD in gossip. Like, who knew that that was a thing? Yeah. <laughs> and when we think of gossip, we think of, uh, you know, serials on TV and, and all kinds of, you know, things like that. And uh, people can't wait to, to gossip. But let's hear about good and bad gossip. But you didn't even know there was good gossip, did you? <laughs> but Sean knows all about it. We're going to do that in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. It's Mission Unstoppable Radio. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso, and Sean Japarin is my guest today. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. It's marching everywhere. Well, skunks are making the news again. Seems everyone has a skunk story. A friend of mine was dozing on the couch on her patio when she felt something furry brush up against her hand. She thought it was her cat until she smelled a terrible odor. I was petting a skunk, she told me. What's a word for shocked? Timey-wimey. In Colorado, a wildlife officer was called to help a skunk whose head was stuck in a peanut butter jar. 
After tugging for 10 minutes, they finally freed the critter and it ran away without spraying anyone. Guess that was a fair trade, otherwise known as quitter for quarter. In Minnesota, it's illegal to tease a skunk. What's the word for teasing a skunk? Tan-tan tanning, port wardling, and downright foolish. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. When it comes to maintaining your present weight and keeping your heart healthy, 10,000 is the magic number. You need to take at least 10,000 steps a day, so clip on your pedometer and start walking. The average man takes 7,000 steps per day, while women take 5,000 steps. People walked more on work days, weekdays, and the days they participated in sports and exercise. At the end of the day, check your pedometer and see how many steps you've taken. If you need more to reach your goal of 10,000, go for a walk or a run. Everything counts. Shopping, cleaning the house, mowing the lawn, walking to and from your car. It all needs to add up to the magic number of 10,000 steps per day. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Preparing your lunch at home and bringing it to school or work is usually a much healthier alternative than going out or ordering hot lunch. Weight Watchers offers some pointers to make preparing lunches a more pleasant experience and not a chore. Prep your foods on the weekends by cutting up veggies and putting them in Ziploc bags in the fridge. Multitask during meal preparation. When making dinner at night, prepare lunches for tomorrow at the same time and keep them in the refrigerator until morning. Have the kids help you put the lunches together. They can assist you and the job will be smoother. Make healthy lunches at home a priority and assure that you and your children are eating healthy, low-calorie meals. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. It's Mission Unstoppable Radio, and our unstoppable guest today is Dr. Sean Duperin, and I know that you are just loving hearing about everything that she has to tell us, but now we're moving on to something that we all love, gossip. I love Gossip that. girl. <laughs> I love gossip, and it's so funny. The, having a PhD, my PhD is in communication with special focus and expertise in gossip, and there's probably about 100 of us in the world, I don't know. Wow. And the word gossip alone is gossip of a wall. Because <laughs> as soon as a cor- corporation or a company or even association finds out that I know a lot about gossip, they're like, dang, that's so much fun. Let's talk about that. The biggest misconception is that usually when you hear gossip, you think it's mean and nasty, right? That's right. typically what comes up. That's so not the case. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to go this route in academia is um, the research shows that mean, nasty stuff in the gossip realm is only about 5 to 7%. Really? We're actually, yeah, we're actually really, really good people. And the best word of mouth is good gossip. Like, some, I, mm. I didn't even hear about your show until Teresa DeGrovois from the Evolutionary Business Council mentioned you. Yes. Right? Good gossip. And to be, to be uh, as an influencer on your show, because we have quite an influential reach. 
Yeah. And, and I wouldn't have heard about you searching, um, you know, searching for your show because that's not a place that I play or I spend time. So as an influencer, having someone good gossip about you is the perfect way for me to find out about you and be intrigued and interested in your show. Others that are listening to your show might be sharing it and saying, oh, my gosh, this lady, Tracy rocks. You know, she's a great talker. She has great topics. Um, I really, you should listen to her. That's how things grow is through that word of mouth. And there's different ways to look at good gossip. Yep. Because think about this for a second, too, is you might say to your neighbor, oh, my gosh, don't use that plumber. He's going to take your deposit and not come back and finish the job. Mm-hmm. And in gossip theory, that is good gossip. It's actually a warning system um, in, in a social construct. So there's lots of pieces to this gossip conversation. And we did use gossip theory to make Project Forgive go viral. We did. And that's how we have our reach is we use gossip theory in our social reach. So when you're in a corporation, are you changing culture by putting out good gossip? I am. Yes. And, um, and a lot of times, especially in, in, well, it depends on where you are in the corporation, whether you're in your level, middle management, mm-hmm. and or an employee, there's different things you can do to actually create good gossip around yourself to get a promotion to talk about your company in a powerful way, to find a mentor so you can actually get to senior level is that something that you want, if you're wanting, or if you own your own business, how do you create a social reach or in traditional media to create good gossip about what you're doing? And it's all story-based. Like Frankie, the first story you told me was about your motorcycle accident. Right. And And that's how you became unstoppable or wanted to share about your passion about being unstoppable is because a car accident that devastated you physically did not frickin' stop you. Right. And you have a story around that. Now, there's a difference between rumor and gossip? There is. Yeah, there really is. Gossip, it meets many social functions, gossip does. Like, Mm -hmm. it creates intimacy. Mm-hmm. Like I am like actually gossiping around my family, telling you about that all four family members. have been, Yes. Right. Gossip is really anytime you're talking about somebody that isn't there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it's how it's defined in academia. OK. So um, talking about EBC and Teresa de Grobois, that's gossip. Yes. Gossiping there. And so it can create intimacy. It can actually have some humor around it because I was gossiping about my neighbor, talking about accepting the apology mm-hmm. never received. There's lots of bonding that happens with gossip. And rumor, rumor is more fear-based. Right. And, okay. and, and, and so in a, in a corporation, in a company, having gossip within your company is a really, really good thing. Because it's telling you that people are engaged and are bonding with each other. Because gossip is kind of like, um, it comes from this place of um, anthropology and um, apes are used as an example a lot. When apes are socially connecting, they pick bugs off each other. It's called mm-hmm. their social grooming. Mm-hmm. And they, you might see them sitting in a row picking bugs off of each other. Mm-hmm. Gossip is our social bug picking. And, like, think about it. Like, you're on the freeway. And you know how, like, you ever been in a traffic jam on the freeway? Yeah. You get up there and there's a big accident and you're like, oh, my gosh, all these rubberneckers. I can't believe, you know, they just stop looking this faster and then you get up there and you you, you're there and you say to yourself well i'm here i might as well look (laughs) you're one of those 
those um, anthropological social groomers, you cannot not look at the car accident. It's part of our curiosity. It's part of our biology. And that's just the way it is. And I always love to mention celebrity gossip, you know, because you always say, oh, I wish the news was talking about celebrities, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And the reason we're so fascinated biologically about celebrities is they're constantly setting social norms, what to do and what not to do. Mm. Um, look at Gwyneth Paltrow, for instance. Yeah. She had the... She got divorced, and I forgot what she, unconscious coupling or whatever, got so much press because it was so, was talked about so weird. Yeah. And, um, and it's like, don't do a divorce like that. Don't do a divorce like Kim Kardashian, where you have this big wedding and make a ton of money and then have it annulled. Yeah. You know, um, there's so many things that we like to do and not do because celebrities show us what's acceptable and not acceptable in culture. So the water cooler you know, is is the perfect example of, you know, people talk about gossip around the water cooler and it's very negative. And is it because typically they're gossiping about fellow employees or like, can we change the water cooler story? You know what? Or do we want to? The answer is it depends. We have that connotation that gossip is just negative. Mm -hmm. There might be specific. And then to me, it's a distinction between negative and positive people. Um, the tendency of that stereotype of hanging out at the water cooler is usually what I would call those mean girls in the workplace that I would right. never hang with. Right. And so it's really about what you attract and what you're attracted to. And knowing politically what's going on in the workplace can actually help you grow in your career. It really can. Because you can find out what job positions are opening up, mm-hmm. um, where you might want to spend your time and pursuing someone who's higher up the ladder than you and getting some advice. So there's some really cool things that can happen there. It's more about the people that you're choosing to interact with. Got it. That's really the game because the water cooler has that stereotype of negativity, and I wouldn't hang there, not even in in a million years. So when you're um, reaching out in social media or writing your blog or writing, you know, things like that, are you starting gossip? I am. Yes, I am. So you create your own gossip for others to gossip about. Yes. Okay. Is there there a rule to it? You know what? The biggest rule is everything that we've talked about. Take a risk and make a ton of mistakes because especially in social, Mm -hmm. you aren't going to know what's going to work until you try it. And social changes so much that you're constantly reinventing yourself. So three years ago, putting out a a poster or content that forgive and forget is a myth was huge gossip because no mm-hmm. one talked about forgiveness like that. No one talked about it like that. Um, and sometimes you'll even see posts from us that say, you don't have to forgive. Stop torturing yourself. Be angry for a while. It's good to be angry. Mm-hmm. That actually makes people look at it a different way because we have so many connotations around anger. Especially right. when I look at this documentary that we're doing, we interviewed 24 four-year-olds. We asked them about forgiveness. They said really cute things. We they also did. Them, yeah, they did. It's a little little five-minute video that we did. And then we also asked them about anger. And every single one of them said anger was bad. Every single one of them. Wow. I know. Which Because we equate anger with negativity. Yeah. Culturally, we equate anger with violence. Can't you just be really pissed? Yeah. 
And culturally, we have so much aversion to it. And anger is so important because when we avoid anger, we can never get to the grief. Because anger is usually right above grief. And when you mm-hmm. guys get mad, like mothers against drunk drivers, they got sure. mad and changed mm-hmm. legislation around drinking and driving. Right. We it's a higher it. vibration. It is right? a higher vibration. Abraham says it's a higher vibration. It is. And then you, then you get access to the grief because usually what's underneath anger. Yeah. And grief is usually hidden. And grief is the transformative property of mm-hmm. grief. Grief and people- changes Sorry, I know we only got like two yeah. minutes, maybe. Um, people ever get, get say to you, you know, I'm tired of people telling me how to feel. Yes. And what's all your the time. Take us to the end here, Sean. <laughs> yeah. When they say people tell me to be angry all the time, you know what I say? Yeah. Tell me more. Uh, okay. Tell me more. That's my favorite phrase in communication theory tell and in being an exquisite, loving person. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. The, the game in forgiveness, the game in maturity, the game in risk-taking, the game in leadership is to finally get that there's nothing to defend. No one's attacking you. There's nothing to defend. The most beautiful, exquisite answer is tell me more. Oh, I love that. And give us your website, please. Yep. Of course, I'm going to throw up projectforgive.com. Yep. Business stuff, shawneetv.com. I'm known as Dr. Shawnee. And um, love, come play with us on Facebook. We're doing some beautiful things on Facebook on Project. And you go live Monday nights, don't you? I do. I do. Tonight we're going live because I've been so sick. Ah. Uh, so tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, usually 8 p.m. Eastern on Monday nights, we typically go live. And uh, lots, we share lots of videos. And there's a party going on on Project. Okay, guys. You well, you want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, um, oh, we're out of time. I'm so sorry. Dr. Sean. Duparin, she's our guest today. Go to those websites. Go check her out. Go to Facebook Live tonight and listen to what she has to say. Go to that party at 8 p.m. Eastern. And thank you so much for being my guest today. And thank to each and every one of you for tuning in and listening today. And I will see you again next week. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Karina, for producing the show. When the chips were down, they didn't stop. Stories of people who, when the odds were against them, turned defeat into victory. You've been listening to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. See you next time, and always remember... Don't, 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 don't stop.